Hello guys and welcome to the Spin the Wheel Doctor Who podcast. I'm your host Will and I've got alongside me Andrew Kemp coming back from the Hill Miss podcast season two. Andrew, hello. Hello. Hello, I, I will be your your co-host for, for this ride as I was for uh, series two of Hit or Miss. Yeah, of course Michael isn't with us anymore. He's not dead. I'm not going to put that in the show. Maybe word that differently. He isn't with us anymore. No, he's he, he's, he's in a better down. place. That's even worse. <laughs> oh, um, I call no, him sorry. He's, so. he's not. He's not dead. If anything, he's he's ascended because he's not act, not not active on Twitter anymore. Which you know. It's probably for the best, to be honest, because Twitter is... Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> we've talked a lot about this. And today, for the first episode, we have a very special guest, Toby, coming back from season one of the podcast. He was going to be in season two, but of course, I got cut short. So we're having him back on. Toby, how are you? I'm fine. I'm just a bit busy, but fine. Yeah, um, I think it's a busy time. I was just going to say, I'm legitimately good. I didn't get to talk about Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS because I have a lot of feelings about that episode that are probably very contradictory to the populace. You know what? Let's quickly delve into it because um, I make, I'm doing this small talk just because um, the episode itself that we'll be reviewing today is very lackluster in terms of notes. Um, so Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS, underrated or overhated or quite rightly rated? What do you guys think? Now I wish I, had, I would have rewatched this episode mm. because mm. Um, because I think it's a very interesting episode to talk about because it has so many interesting concepts that some work, some don't. I can't name them right now because it's mm. been a long time since I watched this episode. But I thought the concepts were great, but the whole plot around this, uh, the idea of um, looking into the targets was quite it was bad this whole uh, space what was this garbage station or whatever Andrew hates you already Andrew what do you think no I don't I don't hate him so yeah. kind of going off of what you said um, I don't I wouldn't necessarily it's underrated but I definitely wouldn't I definitely would say it's overhated mm. um at least for me, there's a lot to really like about it. Mm. Um, it's arguably the, at least in my opinion, I've been very vocal on the on the hit on this podcast how um, I much prefer Clara with with twelve. But this is one of the only, this is one of the few episodes with eleven and Clara where I think their dynamic actually really pops. Mm. I really like their dynamic in this episode, especially in like the confrontation. Uh, where the doctor sort of questions her about, you know, why do I keep meeting you? You're dead. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was very good. Um, uh, at least for their dynamic, because otherwise I wasn't too keen on it per se. Um, hmm. There are a lot of things in the episode that I thoroughly enjoy. I think the uh, concept for the sort of monster is really really cool. The idea that it's actually their future selves after they. You know, became what, what was it like radiation from the Eye of Harmony? Oh, yes. uh, I love that idea. I think that's great, and it works because obviously it's a it's a time machine, you know, being destroyed. So it's like it's you know time sort of fracturing and rupturing. So I really like that idea, mm. uh, and I like how they show it coming to fruition with the two brothers when they like 
you know, but he tries to help him off the ledge, and then they merge into the one that we keep seeing. Yeah, uh, I really like that. Um, the other plot, it's fine for me. It's serviceable. Uh, it really is kind of carried by Clara and Eleven's dynamic, mm. which, like I said, I, th I think actually does work in this episode, and um, and sort of the, the concepts behind it. It was nice to see the Eye of Harmony again. My major complaints would be I don't think we see enough of the TARDIS interior. It's way too much walking through the same corridors mm. rather than us actually seeing some more interesting aspects of the TARDIS. Like, yeah, we see the pool, but mm. only very briefly from outside, so they just CG the pool. Yeah. Like, I would have actually wanted to see what the TARDIS pool looked like. You know, well, how was it? The library was well, very good. Even though it's simple, I think the the effects. Oh, of the, the, the library was very cool. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of the I can't remember what it's called, but the sort of tree thing that they find. But it would have been better if we'd have actually maybe seen it again. Mm, what trees? Uh, in a different episode and see sort of what else it could do. Uh, my main problem with the episode is is the supporting cast. I don't like any of them. Mm. I know I know there's only three of them, but I don't like any of them. <laughs> That, uh, I mean, that's an echo of, um, like, everyone else's opinion. Like, the side character isn't popular, uh, the side cast. And I think, ironically, I watched it more recent than you guys, even though you were meant to review it. But I, I don't see the problem that some people see with them. I think there are definitely worse uh, side casts, and they're actually pretty decent. But I think, to echo you, um, the Eye of Harmony... Uh, that was a fantastic little segment where he was helping him up and it merged into the villains. That was fantastic and I just want to put out that the music was fantastic. Uh, Murray Gold, I think the, um, it was like, it was like a bass, it was like, mmm, mmm. And that was just the overriding kind of music throughout the episode. And I think that was fantastic and it just added to the tone. But you're right, Smith, uh, Clara, fantastic. The problem I have with them is I, I can't remember their names. It's been a while since I've watched it. The tall one, the real, the like the, the the I think he's meant to be the oldest brother, or at least the tall one. Yeah. His his acting is dreadful. I'm sorry, but he is his acting is crap. The other two, acting wise, are fine, but the problem is they're not good characters. One of them's just a really nasty character. Like, he's just an absolute dick, and I don't understand why I'm meant to like him. And then the other one, who I want to say he's called Trippy or Tricky. I can't Tri remember what he's called. I think it's Tricky. Yeah. Mm. He is likable if he wasn't so annoying. I just find him a really annoying character, so I just cannot... I just, I just cannot with that side cast. But anyway, yeah. Overall, I'd probably give it like a, a six point five seven out of ten. I, I do not think it's as bad as everyone else says it is. I think it's fine. Mm. Also, I think this, the side characters are kind of lazy written. It's like they serve mm. the function in the story and they do what they're supposed to do in the story to make it unfold. But anything post this, there is just nothing really there yes happened. yes and like yeah. the whole the whole side plot of oh yeah you're not actually an android we just did it to take the piss it's like <laughs> come on but they really i didn't really i didn't well. even care and i was still annoyed that that was <laughs> the big like the big revolution mm. not revolution revelation yeah yeah i think that's the problem with the side characters that we just didn't really care about them much mm. And they tried to actually make you care, like adding a parallel, if you guys can uh, recall. It was like um, 
the Smith's doctor said, uh, show us drop of human decency or whatever. And then they paralleled at that at the end when one of the, of the brothers kind of defending his younger brother. And he said, oh, maybe I've got a little shred of human decency. And I thought that was dreadful acting. And it's like a false, like it, it was trying so hard to make us care for these characters. And it just fell flat because the characters themselves were really interesting. And I think the acting was poor, but the characters weren't dreadful in my opinion but um yeah that's besides the points anyway guys since this is episode one i may as well explain what the concept is so we have a will i'm gonna add five episodes onto it andrew's put five episodes onto it classic and modern and every single week a guest will chuck their five episodes onto it as well so there'll be 15 episodes i believe there's going to be an even split of classic and modern and also yeah, we, we've set it up so that every person submits two modern two classic mm. and then a spin-off yeah exactly so there's a less likely that there's going to be a spin-off but when the time comes uh, i'm hopeful that we're going to select a good spin-off to um to watch and then each 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 different episode uh, mine and Will's five will remain the same. The only thing that will remove those is if one of ours gets picked and then we replace it. The guest is different every week, so their five is different every week. Exactly. Unless they want to keep the episodes, in which case we'll let them, I believe, we agreed on. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Now, episode one, we spanned the wheel. And what episode did we land on, Andrew? Uh, so we spanned the wheel and we actually landed on one of my picks which I chose because I hadn't seen but was interested in seeing because I l I've always liked the design of the monster uh, and it is The Visitation which is a fifth Doctor story. And those creatures, they're called the Terileptals, right? Yes. Okay, because I was confused when I was watching the episode. I was like, hmm, which one is he on about? The Terileptals or the androids? And I'd actually argue the androids are really cool since we... I mean, we only have yeah. one android, but it does look cool. Yeah, since we're not doing this chronologically, like, in that sense, I think uh, we may as well just say the villains. What did you actually think of the Terileptals? Like, you thought they were cool. How did you think of them when you were watching them? Uh, should we go to Toby first? Yeah. Okay, um... I think the design well the design is good but the execution of the design it just it just looks bad sorry but I think it just looks mm. completely like like and we, I know classic who has budget problems and stuff but they always cover it up somehow but I didn't feel like they did a good job at covering this mistake up like you could see you can see the fabric so clearly in some scenes, I think. <laughs> I, will, I will say, I think the Ark in Space would like a few words in regards to yeah. covering yeah. the budget problem. <laughs> Bubble wrap, period in green. Fantastic. Most episodes can do a really good job with that in Classic Who, I think. Oh yeah, there's like stories around that that have better like effects. Not like effects, but you know, what do you call it? Um, just costume designers. Yeah. The actual androids talking about the characters and seeing things like so obviously and brazenly. Uh did you guys see the moment where the androids mask kind of falls off or like goes to the side and then you see the yes. guy's face? <laughs> yes. Uh, it's just a product of his time, I suppose, Doctor Who. Even in well, I think at this point you'd expect more because I think at this point Alien come out and then you've got these really high budget um like sci-fi films and television shows i think star trek was around at this point i think star trek is as old as doctor who 
I mean, I mean wasn't this wasn't this around the time where the BBC was starting to kind of give up on the show, or was that a little bit later on? Yeah, they gave up at this point. They completely gave up in the Conan Baker era, and then um, it, the Sylvester McCoy just like got the brute force of that and got kicked out. It's such a shame as well because Sylvester's stuff was actually starting to pick up towards the end, and then yep. they just ended it. And I think it was the same with the Fifth Doctor. I was reading the other day how. Um, I actually watched like a what culture video and they were talking about the actors that regret leaving Doctor Who and two of whom were Davison and also Sylvester McCoy and I completely agree with them and I think they're completely justified like Davison was always going to stick to the free uh, year rule kind of quote-unquote rule and then when he actually got to the end of his tenure his episode picked up so he's very reluctant to leave and I think that's very true because uh, his final series and a bit were definitely his best um, as a well, I mean, I mean, I recently watched Case of Anjazani for the Hit and Miss podcast, mm. uh, episode seven of series two, and uh, yeah, Case of Anjazani is pretty damn brilliant. Yeah. So the fact that his stories and his, and the writing for his era really started picking up as he was leaving was, you know, kind mm. of a kick in the teeth. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. Like, um, and then McCoy, as you said, his era picked up in his final season, and Survival was actually a pretty damn good episode. As well, along with Curse of Fenric, which is, I, as uh, I put on my avatar for the Hit and Miss podcast, Curse mm. of Fenric is my favourite classic story. I adore that episode. Yeah, and um, if we do have Phil on in the future, we can have him um, have that on the list, so hopefully that the will. It's very annoying that the will concept, like, I think it's a good idea. But then the episode that you want to watch, you can't watch. And it's, I feel bad for the guest. Like, I mean, what I'll do is the next time one of my classics gets picked, unless it already gets put on the list, I'll mm. just put Curse of Henry on so that way there's always a chance it'll land on it. That's a good point. Anyway, um, do, oh, you want to you uh, do you want to keep talking about the uh, the villains? You didn't really say much. Yeah, uh, I, I I well, I, I said that I didn't like the design, mm. but the design of the android I thought was very cool, and it it looked way better than the pterodactyl, uh, yeah, in my I opinion. Agree. I'd agree with and that. And effects. Sorry. Yeah. And, and I really like their plan with the rats, and it's quite ironic, and I really like that. Oh yeah, the smoke, because they incorporate that early into the episode, like, as, as soon as they exit the TARDIS, they had the smell, like, uh, I think the line was from Tegan, who I have strong opinions about, the smell of the place, and they kind of fling that into the smoke, and then when they actually met the rats, I think, um, I think it was Nissa or Tegan again, pointed out about the smell or oh, actually it may have been the doctor and i think that i think that was in episode three was it if i'm recalling it correctly andrew um i'm not fully sure i actually really like the design of the terolactyls and i think it looks fine like given the budget constraints and stuff i think they actually pulled it off fairly okay mm. i think they got away with the face not looking as convincing because you know they kind of went with the whole oh it's it's um, you know, it's been injured, so it's it's missing an eye, and like a chunk of its face has been taken out. So like, mm. that worked for me. It was fine. Uh, and just just for the record, because I didn't really specify at the start, um, the the pterodactyls are the whole reason why I wanted to watch this because I remember in the battles in time cards, 
they came in, I can't remember what set it was, but they did one that introduced all the classic stuff and they were on some of the cards and I really liked the design, but I never got around to watching their stories. I was like, okay, I'll put this one on. I want to watch it. Um, but yeah, I like the design quite a bit and I think the Android looks very cool. Did it ever explain exactly why it was like so bejeweled and stuff? I have no idea what that word means, bejeweled. Yeah, like covered in gems and shit. It was all like sparkly. To make it look awesome. But I think that was the plan, just to recreate um, androids. And I think that was like um, a part of the plot. Like uh, they were slaves. And I think I think it was Tegan who mentioned this, that they were slaves. And I thought that was a very eerie kind of me uh, message to come across. But uh, to be bejeweled, that is kind of like a glorified slave. And that's awful. And the whole story around that. Um, yeah, I think he was more idealistic robots, like uh, to make them look cool. I mean, I, 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 I guess I guess the doctor did say that they have the pterodactyls have an obsession with beauty, because he yeah. said like I can't I think it was in episode three he said like uh, their their obsession with with beauty doesn't doesn't like Cohen. Well, what was it? I can't remember the exact word, but it was some more lines that their obsession with beauty. Um, weirdly coincides with their love of war or something it was something along those lines i can't remember i know they had like a a mutual love for the two um but no, i think the android looked very cool it was very well done and i'm very glad it explained why it was dressing up like the grim reaper because at first i was so confused i was like why <laughs> why is this a thing why does it need to do that? And then it kind of explained it. I was like, okay, fair enough, I guess. I can go along with this. Yeah, and speaking of explaining stuff, they explained the Great Fire of London, how that started at the end. Like, I actually researched this for the chase a long time ago. And also the Sonic Screwdriver, that I researched that, but I never actually watched the episode. Um, but talking about that and linking what you just said to that, um, about the face of the Pterodactyl being, like, disfigured, the eye kind of stuff, I think that um, was absolutely played for the chills at the end when it was fire in the in the fire at the end when it was in the house. I'm not sure if you can recall that scene, uh, but I just thought it was a yeah. It looked very fire. grotesque as it was sort of dying. That was that was quite like visually shocking. Uh, mm. Again, which surprised me because you know it was it was the classic era. They didn't necessarily do. I say that no, they did do some gross stuff, but it was quite surprising. Um, you you touched on the whole uh, Great Fire of London thing, and um, and I'll 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 give my thoughts on the screwdriver, and then I'll let everyone else say their pieces yeah. before I get onto onto the uh, the reveal of the, being the Great Fire of London. Mm. Uh, I was genuinely shocked when they destroyed the Sonic screwdriver. I did not know that happened, so I was like, oh, okay. Mm. And then at the end of the episode, he just didn't have it. <laughs> And he doesn't have uh, it until Rose. Or, uh, I was going to say, I, I, I was going to say, if I remember rightly, I don't even remember ever seeing Sylvester McCoy using it. Yeah. So, like, did they just never give it, like, bring it back until the modern era? That's what I'm saying. I, it was a research for the chase. It was like, what was the final story that the Sonic Screwdriver was in until Rose? And that was it. That was it. Huh. The Fifth Doctor. That's fun. I did not know. Yeah, that, that was a complete surprise. Mm. I like that level of commitment to that. Yeah, me too. That's great. I like that they did that. And the thing it, is, I, I, I think it adds a little bit more. Sorry, I was just going to say. I think yeah. it adds a little bit more threat to the Terralaptors as well. The fact that oh, they've destroyed the Sonic Screwdriver. You know that tool that the Doctor uses mm. to get out of everything. Like he now doesn't have that. 
and they didn't make a, a big fuss about it either. Like in Modern Who, if that happened, like in the eleventh hour or what's the twelfth Doctor story that it kind of explodes? Um, I don't remember it exploding with with uh, the twelfth Doctor. I think the eleventh Doctor screwdriver kind of got smashed or something like that, and then the I think it was in the Husbands of River song where he got like a new no the Return of the Doctor no, stereo. He got no. He got the new Sonic in at the end of Hellbent. He got the blue one. Oh, I missed. He, 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 he had the sunglasses throughout series nine. Yeah. And in series eight, he had the old Smith screwdriver. Hmm. I, I I seem to recall something happening with ten and his screwdriver, but again, I can't fully remember. Yeah, and um, Thirteenth Doctor in the Strangle Conundrum, which may I add, is not a bad episode as everyone tries to claim it is. Um, it kind of <laughs> I would disagree. Mm, on first watch, I would say it was the worst thing ever, but then I rewatched it like two weeks ago, and it's actually decent. It's quite good, actually. It has some things I like, but uh, overall, I think it's more on the bad side. Fair enough. But yeah, it's just one that I had to rewatch, and I do suggest you guys, you know, go out of your way to. Uh, rewatch it because it has probably been a while. Have you guys rewatched it? Nope. Recently? <laughs> I don't think I have ever watched it a second time. No. Yeah. I, I saw it when it aired, hated it, and then never touched it again. I might yeah. get, try and give it a second chance. It's just one of the cases of doing like a big marathon or like doing a worker era marathon and then you have to watch it or you don't have to. But it's just like for the sake of continuity and consistency and like completion, like you have to give that a go and then I did and then it, yeah, that's besides the point again. What the point was trying to be is it, it didn't make a fuss and Andrew, you said how at the end of the episode it was weird kind of how they didn't kind of allude to that. And I think it was actually, well, I was actually reading something a while back well, a while back, a few weeks ago, and it was one of the companions from the classic Who, um, and they said in the modern Who, uh, the sonic screwdriver is used too often, and I've seen that criticism echoed even by fans of like the modern day show, like the sonic screwdriver is used ridiculously to get out of every situation, and the fact uh, that they wrote it out in the Fifth Doctor era, which was, let's be honest, not even that close to the end of the uh, classic run, and then they never touched upon that again. I think that was a fantastic like move from the production team. I, I just wanted yeah, to say. I, 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 I like that they did it and I like how they actually committed to it. I think that's great. Yeah. And how they committed to that was the uh, sonic laser effect from the android, since we were like kind of talking about the villains. Uh, well, I'll be t I just put a thing in chat, yeah. I'll be two sacks. All right, no worries. Uh, hello, Tubi. How are you? <laughs> I'm still fine. Sweet. We'll, we'll carry on. Um, I have some things to say about the fight of London. Absolutely. So I think the, that the, let's say it's a reveal that the big burning, uh, that the explosion of the screw, uh, not explosion, but mm. the burning of the screwdriver leads to the fight of London. I think that this is just very boring, in my opinion, because I think the fight of London is um, such an important well, not important but an interesting historic event that's happened and i think you could have done so much more with the fire of london than just being like oh in the end they they have gone to london and the screwdriver burned and now it's fire everywhere mm -hmm. look that's a bit lame 
Yeah, I mean, the same could be said about the Fires of Pompeii, like, uh, and also Rosa. Again, I'm going to praise the Breaker era, something I don't do that often. Um, but the Rosa episode, where it's kind of like Graham is the reason of a historical event, and it's like the white person who affects the change. I think that's very, very good, uh, well written. And also, Rosa is a fantastic episode. I think um, very underrated. Rosa's great. It's such yeah. a good episode. We were just um, talking about the um, the Great Fire of London explanation. <laughs> I, I have thoughts on this. Okay, so before I get into my thoughts on it, question: Have either of you seen the movie? I believe it's called Remember Me. I'm just going to double check to make sure I am correct. 2010 romance slash drama. Yep, starring uh, Robert Pattinson. Mm. I've never seen that. Do not read what the plot is because I'm gonna explain why I'm bringing this up. So there is a movie called Remember starring Robert Pattinson. It is a romance movie, and uh, I imagine. Do you guys care if I spoil the ending? It's kind of sure. relevant to this. I don't so, think I've uh, ever watched this movie. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. It wasn't brilliant. Uh, it, it was it was long, and yeah. But anyway, so it's a, it's a romance film. It's serviceable. And then right at the end, and when I say right at the end, I mean literally right at the end, it reveals that this, this film, this story, was building up to revealing that the main character who Robert Pattinson plays worked in the Twin Towers on the day of 9-11. The whole reveal is that this film ends as 9-11 starts and then the credits roll. Literally, you see the date, you see where he's working, and mm. then that's the end of the film. What? In some instances, yes, that is a massive shock. Like, I didn't see it coming because it was literally out of nowhere. It was so out of left field. Mm. But I, wouldn't, I also wouldn't say it necessarily really works i understand what they were going for i believe i read a thing from the director that basically said he was trying to emulate the shock that everyone had on the day it happened because obviously it was not expected at all and that's kind of what he was trying to recreate yeah. which is you know that's fine but as an overall narrative it just kind of was really jarring because it just came out of nowhere hmm. that's how i feel about the reveal of this in this story i like hmm. the idea behind it I love the idea of kind of like how the fires of Pompeii is Doctor Who's explanation for why yeah. Volcano Day happened. By the way, fires of Pompeii is a phenomenal episode. Mm. Um, mm. I I like the idea of this. I like the idea of the ending being, oh crap, this is a great fire of London. This is how it started. However, even going into this uh, story knowing that that would happen because I, I can't remember how I knew, but I think I'd yeah. read about it somewhere. So I knew that it had something to do, oh, it was going to link to the Great Fire of London. Mm. So it wasn't a surprise for me, which isn't a problem. That's my fault for already knowing. It's not the writing's fault at all. Mm. But it comes so out of left field, and apart from to serve as shock value at the end, it serves nothing to the story. <laughs> what causes 9-11, uh, sorry, I've still got that film on the brain, what causes the Great Fire of London. However, all it really does is, oh, look, the Doctor wrestles with the pterodactyl. oh, shit, he drops a torch on the hay, oh, look, the, the bakery's on fire. Number one, why was the pterodactyl's base inside a damn bakery? That was weird. I understand that it needed to happen in a bakery because, you know, that's where the Great Fire of London started. Mm. But it was like, but at least for me, it really did feel like the writer was like, okay, 
I want this to be about. I, I want this to be a doctoral explanation as to why the Great Fire of London on. And he make, came up with this whole story about these aliens that crashed to Earth because they're escaping their home planet, which it works fine. I'm yeah. fine with that. That all makes sense. And they decide they want to live here because you know they can. I think I think they were doing something to the air to make it breathable because there was something about that gas thing. Um, you know, they can make it habitable, they can wipe out the humans, they're, they're going to use the plague, which I like the idea of that. That was quite an interesting idea that they didn't even go to war, they just used the, something that was already killing them. Like, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like he came up with this whole story, and I believe it was a, a he. I saw the, the writing name. I think it was a he. I'm just going to double-check that. Um, and then... Rather than crafting a story around an exp like building up to, oh, this is the Great Fire of London, it feels like he just chucked it on the end because he was like, oh, yeah, I was meant to do that, wasn't I? And he just threw it in there. And his explanation was, oh, yeah, the Doctor wrestles with the Terralectal, drops a torch, and, yeah, the Great Fire of London happens. And that just doesn't work for me at all, I'm sorry. I do not understand why he was so uncaring yeah. Yeah. at the amount of people who were about to die because of his fuck-up. Yeah, I, I think... I think, the, again, the fire of them is such an, in, well, not important, but an event that's very well known. And if you have such an event having a part of a Doctor Who story, then you have to have, have to do more with it than just being, oh, in the end, they're going to go to London and there's a fire, boom. If, if the story at least would have been played the whole time, like somewhere in the middle of London, no, the story is just somewhere... I don't know. Is is it even is it even near of London? I don't even. Know. Apparently, it's like apparently it's in a little village which we never see, and then like the thing. Uh, the I, thing. Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say, and after watching four parts of, for lack of a better word, absolute mediocrity, mm. I was very let down. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I can get that the Doctor sometimes forgets, uh, well, not what year it is, but like if there's a historic event happening right now, but it's the fire of London. It's, 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 so many people know of this event. How can you miss this? Like, it's not like something little that is, has happened, which is of only local importance or something like that. It's the fire of London. It's like, even outside the UK, people know that this happened. And the thing is, uh, <laughs> she knew the TripAdvisor uh, rating of like a steam place just by tasting soil and it, it takes you away. And I think the key word is sometimes, that Toby just said. Like sometimes you can kind of get behind the idea that they've just forgotten a place, but it just still, it's, it's just lazily written. And I, I yeah, agree, like part four is such a mess. But it's a shame as well because up until, up until right at the end I was actually because I think I said to you in your message I can't remember it unless I just wrote it in my notes and then forgot to send you the message but parts one and two at least for me dragged so much mm. because especially in part one nothing happens I, I disagree part you say that's the best part really I thought part one was so dull and mm. then like Part three picked up and I was like, okay, this is getting interesting. We've got the rats, we've got the plague. The Terralactal's plan kind of makes it. sense. I see what they're doing. This is, I hope this has a good conclusion. And then it was just, oh, we're at the bakery in on Pudding Lane in oh, London. Comes out of nowhere as well. 
it's re- it's so ridiculous and going back to what toby was saying about i can you know it's it, it, it's canonical that the doctor doesn't sometimes realize what big event is happening in history i would completely agree with that if it wasn't for the fact that right at the end he knows what's happening yeah he literally says oh i think this is a fire that should be allowed to run its course he knows exactly what is happening and it's just like what yeah. what the oh i'm sorry it really really annoyed the hell out of me and it upsets me because i genuinely thought i was gonna enjoy it you see i get i get the point but the problem i have with the uh that kind of sequence is that there was no kind of companion feedback to that so like in modern who you'd have clara giving capaldi the ear about not saving it or like donna doing to the temple. i was gonna say donna in in fires of pompeii who literally breaks down crying because the doctor's like no we can't do anything and she's like please just save someone yeah like that was powerful that was emotive and in this nobody cares I, I Phil might be able to confirm this although he's in the bedroom and he's not in here but like literally at the end we watched it yesterday because I've been quite busy this week and at the end of the fourth part when it revealed uh, it did the whole reveal of oh yeah it's a great fire in London I, I knew it was coming so I thought it was going to happen earlier in the episode and then that's just the end it literally shows Pudding Lane and then the credits roll and I turned to Phil and went was that it? <laughs> I was so annoyed. Anyway, that, I'll try to end my rant there because I've talked quite a lot. But yeah, just just know that it really bugged me. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, you're not wrong. It, it was so disjointed, and even the location. Like, why was the layer in a bomb? But I digress. Why was the layer in a bakery? <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, it's really funny. <laughs> I, I understand it happened in a bakery, but why the fuck were the pterodactyls making their base in the bakery? <laughs> <laughs> it's, only, it's only just hit me how funny did... that is. Oh, of course I caught you. Out of everything. They're walking through London and they're just like, hmm, that tiger bread looks nice. Should we make that here? <laughs> I'm sorry, it only just hit me how ridiculous that is that they kind of love it. I can't. It's so stupid. Don't need to doing something. Oh, oh! I'm pretty sure about I, funny things. I'm pretty sure I made that exact note. In, yet my last note on threat slash enemy is they made their base in a bakery. <laughs> oh, oh dear. I'm so sorry. That I'm tickled fine. the fuck out of me. Me too. It's only just hit me how ridiculous that is, and for some reason it was just so funny in that moment. Wow. <laughs> Anyway, you were going to talk about Tegan and I massively distracted us by ranting about this episode. Go on. What are your thoughts on uh, Tegan, Will? All the TARDIS team in general. I was just going to say about Adric and the comedy, um, but I will go back to Tegan in a minute. The TARDIS team. Right. Adric, the comedy scene where they're at the door, and I think it's Richard Mace, the character is, he asks, what do we do when they, knock the, uh, when they answer the door? And Adric just turns and says, say hello i think the dialogue and the comedy in this episode is uh what is 
the best at and I think Richard Mace I, I may as well just go on to his character quickly uh, the line that he says I'm afraid my frame was never designed for such rapid acceleration I love that line yeah. <laughs> me and Phil were absolute because Phil's never watched this episode either he knew mm. what happened but he'd never seen it me and Phil were living for Richard Mace because he was so over the top and I was here for it <laughs> one of our particular favourite lines and I don't know why because it was not funny in the slightest but it absolutely had us pissing oh, ourselves for a good two minutes yeah. was it near the start of part one when he says yes i found it in the loft last night it really tickled us and i don't know why <laughs> we spent the rest of the four parts randomly interjecting in the middle of characters lines by going why yes i found it in the loft last night <laughs> oh, yeah. it was amazing and at one point in Carrot doing his voice, I think it was when he first saw the Terraleptil. I can't remember. I think it was when he first saw the Terraleptil. Putting on his voice as he walks through the door and sees it stood there, I just went to Phil. Fuck a duck! <laughs> in that voice. And that, again, broke him. So yeah, I love the character of Richard. I think he was great. He was really funny. I think Richard may save the whole episode in terms of characters because I, in my personal opinion, the whole Carlos team didn't really stand out that much, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Especially that in episode 3 where Edric and Nissa are just sitting in the TARDIS and talking and I don't care. And it's so long. Like, in the last two episodes, all Nissa does is just prepare like this mechanical machine and I think you're the best also, companion question, why are you there? Question yeah. what the fuck was she making? Is it some I don't even know it's like a transmitter. Is it, ever, is it ever explained what she's making? All that happens is she turns it on it shakes the TARDIS a bit and then the android goes kaput and I was like okay where, where what? Yeah. Like Tegan like the Tegan got on my nerves. She was just moaning for the whole episode. And when oh, she said, like, oh, I know I haven't been the best companion, and I thought, bloody hell, you said it. Jesus Christ. And the thing is, Adric gets a lot of stick. I haven't. I d mm -hmm. Do you want to know why? Because in this episode, Adric was fucking useless. Do you know what? The only thing that Adric did in this story is he tripped over nothing. <laughs> yeah, it was like moss. Yeah. He tripped over nothing. He tripped over Made snarky comments, and then let me because me and Phil went through a list of everything Adric did. He then escaped via a vent or something that Tegan opened. He mm. then escaped out of a window that Tegan opened <laughs> and then just left Tegan to get captured like well done he went back to the TARDIS got kidnapped by some ruffians mm. and then just walked back to the TARDIS need the Grim Reaper in the ass at the TARDIS yeah, door and then just let the android in and then Nissa killed it with fuck knows whatever that thing was. Yeah. Oh, Adric did nothing. I'm sorry, Adric did absolutely nothing. 
Yeah, I agree. You can see, say many things about what, uh, how Tegan was in this episode, but at least she had something to do. She was somehow involved in the story in any way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I then. personally quite enjoyed Tegan, yeah. but I think that's maybe just because I, I think that's maybe because I found Tegan to be quite sassy, and I'm like totally here for that. Like there was mm. one point I can't remember what it was. I think it was the pterodactyl when he had like her and Adric like strapped down. To whatever the fuck those things were and i think it called her a stupid girl or stupid woman yeah. and she went it wouldn't be the first to make that observation and i was like yes tegan drag him i was i was there for that uh, i literally i uh, read this about today i think it's mentioned in the crimson horror uh, how matt smith kind of says i had to take a like a bossy australian back to heathrow and then clara says something or like, like a scream and the doctor says uh, Braveheart Clara and that's kind of a reference to Tegan and I kind of I now I whenever I rewatch that episode now I can kind of see that reference it's sassy yes and also one of the moments that kind of stood out to me uh, was her performance when she was uh, hypnotized and they had to like kind of relay her uh, and I think it was Richard Mace who was also um under the yeah. thing. At, at the end of at the end of part three her and Richard Mace have the doctorate gun and rat a point. very effective uh a little scene there. I made a note that was the mm. only cliffhanger that I liked in this four part. <laughs> the first part cliffhanger is oh my god, a door locked. Oh yeah, I was listening that's, li that's, no. that's literally <laughs> the first cliffhanger is oh my god, a door locked. What are we gonna do? <laughs> and then in part two, the cliffhanger is oh, they're about to get executed. I wonder how this is gonna get stopped. And maybe that would work if it wasn't for the fact that in part one of Case of Androzani, we see the fifth doctor and perry get actually shot in a very similar fashion it's an execution and that's a way more effective like cliffhanger than this was just compare this to remembers of the daleks the cliffhangers <laughs> I know, right? shit's on this. a dalek flies yeah. like holy shit that's mind-blowing at the time what happened in this one? Oh no someone latched the door what are we ever gonna do yeah. And the actual oh, cliffhanger yeah, the was just like a it's knock. Magic. <laughs> it wasn't even the lock, it was like the lock. And then, uh, oh, I think it's Tegan shouts, Doctor, <laughs> after someone knocks on the door, and it's like a knock, Doctor! <laughs> I thought, what the hell am I watching? I'm just, I'm re I'm just, oh, I'm just remembering everything in this episode that was ridiculous, uh, and it's just making me laugh a lot. <laughs> I mean, you could have finished that sentence out. I'm trying to remember stuff from this episode. I can't remember a bloody thing. It's so boring. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the Pterodactyls made their base in a bakery, and I'm here for it. Yeah. Oh. Um, no. Uh, Nissa is definitely the most competent of this TARDIS team. It's just a shame she got nothing to do in this story. Yeah. There were some parts where I really liked the Fifth Doctor. I loved him in Caves of Andrews, aren't they? Mm. Because um, I've admittedly not seen a lot of the Fifth Doctor, so it was really nice in Caves to be like, oh wow, this guy is really, really cool. Because yeah. uh, I've seen like bits of him when I was younger, but I didn't remember him that much. Mm. Um, but then in this, there were some parts where I really liked him, and then there were others where I was like, uh... It's quite decent. It, like, in part one, he's not the best, and it's like, linking back to Adric here, it's like, Adric is like having a character-building moment, you could say, where he says, I don't think they like me, and then uh, it's like, meant to be a really sad moment, and then the fifth or reaction is just like, uh, is she coming yet? And I thought, 
That was such a dreadful <laughs> idea. Was really a dick to Adric. The thing is, the acting wasn't even the best. Like, in part one, if we're talking about Davison, I think not the best in part one, uh, but he did improve. And in part three, I think it was part three or maybe it would be in part four, uh, where they get into the layer, not the actual pastry layer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Genius! I love it. Uh, <laughs> no, but in, like in the house, when they got reptilian into Mary Berry just like you know crutches <laughs> out of the back, and she's like soggy bottom, and then the uh, fire of London happens. Oh, but I'm know, sorry. I've just I've just driven this podcast that this new podcast <laughs> into a wall already. <laughs> This is episode one, Andrew. Come on. I don't care. This is entertaining. Yeah. Oh, this is the content is. you signed up for. Yeah. You knew what you were doing getting me involved in this. Yeah. Oh, but I think it was episode three or part four, uh, where he kind of trying to get all the information from the the creatures, and they have like the spat. And let me just say, the pterodactyls, the voice, the the guy. Pterodactyls. <laughs> When, when I like, I didn't know the name of the creatures until this episode, and then it just said the pterodactyls, and I thought, what the? They, they named these creatures after bloody dinosaurs, and then I literally just mispronounced it there, and you were like, caught me up on that because it, it sounded like a dinosaur name, pterodactyls. Leave me alone! I don't know why they could. The lemsips. I don't. The pterodactyl. The pterodactyls. Oh my god. The Strepsil monsters. The there we go. Yeah. Um, oh god. This review is already better than the episode. My god. That's yeah. um, not hard. Oh no. One note sure. I did have, and I, I completely missed, missed over this, and this is like the very start of the story. I did like the fact that the ship crash looked like a firework. Yeah. I liked the idea that that was kind of you know planting the seed of oh fireworks. I, I, don't know, I just really yeah. liked that. I thought that was quite cool. It reminded uh, me a nice lot of the um, human nature of Family of Blood two-parter. Like that first mm. one or two minutes felt like very niche and like very like that kind of like um, landing firework. Not a firework. Oh, you put that into my now. No, the um, like the spaceship landing. Like it's such a common story, and the fact is they did it very similarly to how well. I'll put it in this way. Human nature may have like taken inspiration from this and I think the actual firework <clears throat> kind of effect of the landing, as you said, uh, was very effective. And you said you like the firework, I just liked the visual effects. Talking about the visual effects, you know the laser uh, that the Android shot? I thought that's some of the for, as a product of his time. I thought that was very effective. Yeah, I thought that worked fine. I thought that looked pretty good. Uh, I did. Just going back to the Fifth Doctor a moment. I actually made a note of probably my favourite line from the Fifth Doctor mm. in this entire story. And again, it's just because the delivery made me and Phil have to pause to laugh because it was just for us really funny. I think it's in part through four. It's when they're trying to get to the TARDIS. Mm. I can't remember exactly what is, is said, uh, but it, it's like just before Adric and Nissa turn up with the TARDIS and the Doctor's like, right, let's go find the TARDIS. And I think Tegan says some long lines of, oh, but it's such a long walk. And then the Doctor delivers the line. I'll try and do it as closely as he did. He goes, I like long walks. And for some oh, reason, yeah. <laughs> that really like... made me laugh. Yeah, see. <laughs> I love it. I hate it, but I love it I at the same time. Walks. Yeah, it's just. Funny. I like long walks. <laughs> it's just another thing about the comedy. I like 
you just said it's like it's so bad it's good or something along those lines like you like it but it's not good i'd argue that it's good and it's good comedy like it made you laugh that's it made me laugh it's like it did its purpose i will say i did like some of the comedy in this episode i will just say however that mm. i think you i don't think the episode did a, be- a great job overall at least when it came to a lot of stuff when the thing that made me laugh the most should not have made me laugh the most which was the whole the whole the pastry layer i think i think the problem is <laughs> i think the problem is that, that this episode is in some ways so ridiculous accidental funny that it overshadows the whole comedy that was supposed to be in place mm-hmm. i think that's, that's the problem the comedy wasn't bad but all the other stuff around it was so ridiculously accidental <clears throat> funny that it just the comedy just also, I think some some scenes really felt like it. Did did they have a script somewhere, or was it just improv for everything? Because I, I felt like some directing was like the, like the silence you mentioned, the awkward silence and yeah. stuff. It felt like sometimes that it just didn't have a script and just went with it on the go. I will say that I don't know if they necessarily really had a lot to work with. To be fair. Mm. I, it, it is a shame because I actually had decent hurts for this story. I did a little bit of research prior to it, and I was like, okay, because yeah. I know a lot of the, I know a lot of the, the fifth, sixth, and seventh doctors get a bit of a, a lot of their stories get a little bit of flack. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to look it up on IMDb, see what the user, you know, average score is, and all four parts of this were around like seven point five, seven point six. So I was like, okay, <laughs> it, it might not be too bad then. And then I finished it, and I was like, that got a seven point five. What? I know. Um, <laughs> and the same is on Lairbox. Like I also did the same, just on a different website. And I did check IMDb, and uh, yeah, you're right. But um, even on Lairbox, the average is like uh, a seven out of ten. And I think, why am I really this out? Am I an outlier here? I was like going into this review. I thought, I really hope they actually found something they liked about this episode, and they, that they actually say I'm wrong. I wanted that. I wanted you guys to enjoy the episode more than I did, but I was just so uninterested. And like you're talking about this um, fire of London stuff, like uh, the Doctor had this fight, and I thought did he i was like did he have this fight i just cannot remember a single bloody thing yeah he did he did the, the whole thing is that the drop the doctor drops the torch and then all of a sudden it's the great fire of london you know because we're in a bakery where the pterodactyls have made their base and no i'm not dropping that um <laughs> i will say i didn't hate this story no. for the most part it was it was fine it was watchable the the last two the parts three and four were a lot more fun to watch until the end where it just was a massive disappointment <laughs> richard mace carried this story he was a delight <laughs> yeah um but yeah overall i'm like it was it was okay like overall I'd g- at maximum i'd give it like a six if that yeah. Also, uh, uh, one thing I want to talk about is um, the, um, this, well, not the set design, but the sets as such. Who sh- chose the set? Well, it, well, it was not like the set was bad, but uh, the setting was bad because it was just in, just two old barns and one old house, and that's just it. That, yeah, literally, that almost, almost the entire story takes place inside one old house, a barn and then like the TARDIS a little bit and then a pastry shop and even then like I concur with both of you the points in the whole the setting 
it's just so uninspired and the content that was given within those settings it was so uninspired as well and it was just like it was boring it was like i, 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 I will say i i did like the setting of the forest i liked the way it was shot i liked how mm. it looked but after like the third time of watching Adric walk up and down this path, I was like, "Oh come oh, on, switch yeah. it up now." And then do you see? Oh, this is going to be one of my criticisms. Do you see him um, walking up the path, and then uh, Nissa's like on the screen, and she, um, she screams like, "I just know!" I think it's the most pitiful scene I have ever seen. It's one of the most pitiful scenes I've ever seen. And the choreography oh. there is like the tail end of uh, something that happened in part one. I think when they're at, right, let's get this out of the way. I think the villagers were crap. I think that's how they recruited the villagers. I think there was no what in purpose did they serve? Yeah. You are the plane carriers. Yeah, where is this going? Like you just told him to lock him up at the start of part three. Then where did you go? I, but the thing is, part one. Um, I do like part one, as I've said, like the choreography of like the fight scenes, like they come out of nowhere and then like uh, I think he just like a third Doctor-esque and also 12th Doctor-esque like flip, like he flips him over his shoulder, I think it was the Doctor who did that, it may have been Adric or um, Tegan, I can't quite remember. I don't see Adric doing that considering his way to fight an android was just to kick it in the ass. Yeah, I think it must have been the Doctor then, but the choreography, uh, the comedy, uh, big pluses in this episode and I think it saves the story not uh, uh, it, let me say this it doesn't save the story as in the script it saves the story like the quote unquote serial as a whole like it's not dreadful I think it's serviceable it, I honestly think if they'd have pulled off the great fire of thing a great fire of thing <laughs> if they'd have pulled off the great fire thing better if it had had more relevance to the plot and wasn't just a tacked on thing at the end I think I would have been giving this thing a much better score than I am because I think I would have forgiven a lot of it for being able to set up a story of oh this is how the great fire of London happened but because that was such a disappointment mm. it made the rest of it feel like I just watched it for no reason, kind of, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I, I felt really bad because I was the one who wanted <laughs> to do this one, because I was like, oh yeah, these monsters look cool, let's give them a try, and then I watched it and I was like, and oh... Like, more context of oh, like, the, the premise of this uh, podcast, like the new format we're doing, uh, uh, the episodes we choose, at least one of the episodes we choose, have to be a bad episode, so that we have some variety in our scores, like kind of. And then this is a, not a bad, but this is like one of the weaker ones in the list out of the ones I've seen. I think I've seen most of them. Like, I okay, yeah. Well, we'll count this as my bad one then, because the ones yeah. I suggested were Smith and Jones, The Eleventh Hour, this, Carnival of Monsters, which apparently is good, mm. and but I've not seen it and I really want to watch it, so I put it on there as an excuse to watch it. Mm. And then Day of the Clown, which I think is a pretty good Sarah Jane story. Yeah. So we'll call this my unintentional bad choice. <laughs> And for me, it gets 5.5 pastry layer terraleptal bases out of 10. Well, I, I want to let everybody know what they missed, what which stories I chose. I had also, um, well, I had Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, actually, because I thought mm. it was an interesting story to talk about. I had The Keys of Marinos, because I really love the story, as already mentioned, The Curse of the Black Spot, because I hate this story with a passion. Mm. And I had the invasion of time. I have never seen the story, but I liked the name and thought, well, why not? And as a spin-off, I had 
The big finish guy will be off with a song of the first season. I went to a marvelous party. As a thing, just just for people listening uh, who might you know be curious, um, <laughs> but in general, we're gonna avoid big finish for the most part because um, I don't really have access to a lot of it. I. I I could probably get access to unless it's on Spotify. I don't have access to any of it, and I don't really have the funds to be able to buy them to watch. So for the most part, we're pretty much just going to stick to the the aired TV episodes of of you know classic Who, New Who, and then the the three spin-offs. Mm. Um, but if someone does recommend a big finish story that is on Spotify that I will actually be able to uh, listen to because I yeah. do have Spotify, then we will definitely add that to the wheel. It's just mm. you know and improve because of that, that technicality kind of uh toby did also add smile i believe toby i'm looking at the list now and uh smile, oh very no good. i had uh first i had under the leg before the flood but this was already mm. chosen from from any one of people and then i added uh time heist oh, oh yes. yes no yes i remember he had a time heist because i was like oh because i because I, I did time heist i was gonna put it on my list because fun fact time heist is one of my favorite episodes ever Mine too. not because not because i think it's pretty i mean i actually do think it's pretty brilliant i don't think it's the best episode but i love it because i i don't necessarily just because something's my favorite i don't necessarily think it is the best i can look at something objectively and be like yeah this is better than that but at least for my personal enjoyment, Time Heist is one of my favorite episodes ever. I love it. I could watch it on a loop and never get bored. I yes, adore it. Same. Um, for, for me, it's just the fact that I'm just, I just really love this kind of stories and what stories and movies, like heist stories, mysteries, stuff, and that's yeah, why it had my alley, so. I'm literally looking at well. the video, and the LM was so close to being picked. It was like a, a tiny little fraction of yeah, the wheel. Yeah, it, it literally, at, the, at <clears> first, <throat> it looked like it was going to land on the LM yeah. and I was like, oh, oh, yeah, and then it ticked into visitation, and I was like, okay, we'll see what it's like, and yeah. The thing is, the reviews are so good. I don't understand. What are we missing, guys? I mean, the monsters made their base in a bakery, Will. What's not to love? Oh, God, bake for later. <laughs> I, I want to go back to the visitation for one thing now, because I yeah. just noticed in my notes, I have one, well, three dialogue lines, which I thought were just, well, I just yes. say them and you can... Shoot, shoot, go yeah, on. It's between, it's, it's between the leader of the Terminators and the Doctor, and the leader says, the Primitives on this planet are too willful and aggressive. I have little need for them, especially now we have your TARDIS. You'll find annihilation more difficult than you think, and the TARDIS will not help you. The TARDIS will not be necessary. Like, make yeah. up your mind. Do you want the TARDIS or don't Oh my god, yeah, they do. What? What the hell are you on about? You just said, now that we have your TARDIS, and then he's like, the TARDIS won't help you. The TARDIS will not be necessary. Well, clearly it will be, because you just said you wanted it. <laughs> make your mind up, Mr. Fishman. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Fishman in the bakery. You know what This this story should just be renamed the sea bath in the bakery. That's yeah. We're still getting over how good the croissants are at the Terraleptal Bakery. I mean, they are uh, quite they are quite amazing. I mean, it's a it's a product of its time. At the end of the day, and like I said, it's it's. I don't think any of it depends what Toby says, but I didn't think. This isn't a bad story. Like the the serial itself isn't bad. It's serviceable. It's decent. It's mediocre. It's not bad. It's serviceable. It just did. It just let me down. Yeah. 
Massively. Uh, massively, yeah. Um, although, I will say, stay away from the baguettes. They're a bit lasery. Um, <laughs> I mean, nowadays, well, I, I wouldn't just go for them anyway, because I'm afraid my frame was never designed for such rapid acceleration. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> if, there's one thing I could, if there's two things I can take away from this story, it's that the pterodactyls made their base in a bakery and Richard Mace deserves more episodes because he was a king and I loved him. Yeah. I, I don't even think he was particularly well written. I just loved the fact that the actor who played him just went for it and it was a delight oh, to watch. He made the best out of it. <laughs> exactly. Do you remember... Um... The, the scene where they go into this like spaceship, their spaceship kind of thing. Mm. And he says, how do the dimensions go uh, bigger on the inside? And then, and then the most- Why did he turn into Boris Johnson then? <laughs> Blue passports. Uh, I don't know if you see that. Okay. <laughs> don't bake in a tent, but do bake in a tent. If you must bake, then you must bake in a tent. Go to work. Do not go to work. Oh, uh, this is one of my favorite pieces we've done. Oh, it's just so casual. One of the most confusing lines in history is like he, he, he enters this thing that's bigger on the inside and he says, How is it lit? And I was so confused. I was like, why do you want to know that? And then it's like a techno. Oh, yeah. Line. And doesn't the doctor explain it by saying, like, because it buried itself in the earth? Christ, and I was like, what? Like that. I was like, yeah, it's like a, such a confusing explanation. I was to, like, such huh? a weird question, yeah. I will say, it was very fun to see the origin story for Staniferths. That was fun. Mm. I realised that that's not going to get a laugh out of Toby because I don't know if you know what a Staniferths is. No. It's a it's a British bakery chain. I should have said Greg's. Why did I go with Greg's? Said, yeah. Greg's is more well known. Five point five uh, pterodactyl bakeries out of ten. No. <laughs> 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 what? It was like who a was sunny just, gas. Who, who was that? Just little wheeze in the background. <laughs> I, just, I just heard. <laughs> Toby, please save me. To summarize everything a little bit, um, one thing I haven't mentioned actually, but it's only a small thing. I really like that the what well, I, I call it friendly companion of the story because you get what I mean. Mm. That he wasn't someone famous. It, I think it both fit the story well, mm. and the and the performance was just it was hilarious. Um, from Richard Mays only the rest of the performance didn't really catch me from the side cast I mean it was I, I don't remember I mean, anyone else was the there really any other major side characters apart well, from Richard major, but it, was no. just, it was just the villagers who did pretty much nothing yeah this is exactly what I meant I don't remember anything I don't really remember any scene they were in I'm just like I'm, I'm trying to remember a scene with them, and I, uh, they I did can. the. They were trying to execute the doctor at the end of part two. 
Yeah, I have that very vague. Oh, oh, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why I've, I mem committed this to memory. But one of my favorite moments from Richard, because I think it was just a moment of bad acting, but it really tickled me. Was as he's about, as he's been like kicked to the floor, about to be executed. He takes a moment to flip his L'Oreal locks out of his yes. eyes, really dramatically, it. and it's so silly. Love it. Yeah. I love this character. He's the best thing in this episode. He uh, is, without a yeah. doubt, the best thing about this story. The light. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what an absolute joy of a character. <laughs> I, I just want... Now, now I want more of him. <laughs> Give him a spin-off. Give him a spin-off! Is he still alive? <laughs> Richard may stop to who? I, I want to see if he's still alive. Is he uh, Derek the Doorman? Um, what is he? Richard Hobbins, Michael Hobbins, he, oh, Jesus Christ, oh, I said death, um, it, it, I searched the name and then it come up with death on the end of it, it's like an autofill, so I think he sadly passed away, which is unfortunate. Yeah, he, he, he died in 1992. Oh, blimey, oh, rest in peace. Oh, he was on, a, he was in On the Buses, huh. Mm. I didn't really hate the story too much, it just was to guide us through this stuff and hopefully get to the end of it. I, I, I'd hard agree with that. It was fine. Like, mm. it, it was serviceable. It served to get us from A to B. It would have been way more interesting if they'd have actually stuck the landing with the Great Fire thing. But as it happens, the idea of these reptile bakers crashing to Earth uh, and deciding to wipe out humanity using... I, I, do, I did mention this earlier, but I do genuinely really like the idea of them using the plague rats to kill yeah. the humanity that was actually quite a cool idea that was neat mm. i just wish they'd done more with it but yeah overall it was serviceable it was okay i didn't hate it but i didn't really love it either mm. i i actually think that the idea with using the pack to destroy the humans it, it's one of the most interesting villain ideas of invasion stories in general I will say, they did do something to the rats. I'm pretty sure he did say he did something to them while they were in the cage. So it was more like a super plague, mm. which is an interesting thought in itself. But yeah, Am overall, I, I did like that. Yeah. But is this around the Black Death time? Because I, I, or the Great Plague or something uh, like that? Mm, and it's around this time? No. Yeah. Um, well, no, it should be later. Or Great Fire of London is in 1666. Uh, yeah, no, then the, the, the Black Death. Way earlier, like 300 years or something. A bubonic plague. Yeah, it was in, in, it was in 1384. Uh, it was the Black Death. To be fair, it did have the the things that were mind controlling the villagers. So maybe it just brainwashed them into thinking the plague still existed. Mm. No, oh, no. Wait, wait. No, I have found something. Aha! The Great Plague of plague London. Of London exactly. I just saw there we go. Yes, yes, I was right. Sense. Ah, screw you both. Ha ha ha. I'm joking. How many points do I give the story? I'm kind of unsure. Like, I was more on the side of four points, but I think it's it's just so charming in some ways and mm. funny, even if it's not on purpose, that I think I give it five points. I think that's fair. Yeah, and let's face it, four fair. of those points are for Richard Mace. At least, yeah. yeah. I don't have a conclusion. However, I did like two reviews on Airbox. These guys summarized my thoughts. The first one, the short one, uh, said Richard Meese is the best thing about this, which we've both agreed with. We yes. 
Yes. And then George uh, Popart, 17, said, Once again, this story is pretty decent, but lacking anything to make it great or memorable. The sonic screwdriver being destroyed was good, but at the same time, it didn't feel like it was much of an inconvenience. The villain, while not being particularly original, looked good with some decent anti-medrionics for the time. I think one of the biggest things holding the story back is how unoriginal it is, which is contrary to what Toby said, I believe. I feel like I've seen this type of story so many times by now. And again, the Crimson Horror kind of like ties into that. It's like, it is a very common kind of story, but it did. Um, fitting for the time I'd agree um, I'm quite a bit into the season now this is his perspective again and the companions seriously weigh the story down they don't have any chemistry and none of them uh, have particularly interesting none of them are particularly interesting I understand the story is focused more on them bickering but it still doesn't mean I'm invested in any of them like honestly if you took this out of the story or even the series would it make much of a difference Andrew pretty much concurred with that, like she had little to do. Tegan's only personality trait is wanting to go back to Heathrow Airport, and Adric is just Adric. I like this doctor, but he's so suffocated by the companions, and I'm interested to see him with different and less people in the future. Um, and then I just says, George summarizes everything I have to say, though I like to add Davidson gives a terrific, a terrific performance throughout. Thankfully, he manages to tread water over the drowning companions. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd argue yeah. Peter Davison is still a very good, uh, a very competent actor, even in this. So, yeah, I, I originally gave. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with my guns, and I shall say a six out of ten. Like if some people were saying, "Oh no, will you were negative throughout the whole review?" I was like, "No, there's been. Uh, I've chucked out quite a bit of praise for it." Uh, so yeah, the average. Let's face it. Most of this review was just me laughing at the whole patient the, the bakery. <laughs> and um, for, for for the person who was complaining about Adric, it's fine. He dies soon. Yeah. Um. And also of notes, Michael did give this a six point five, uh, which is higher than any of us, which would bring the average up to a five point seven five. And I'm considering making his uh, score part of the average, but uh, I'll com- I'll confine in him. Um, for now, it is a 5.5 out of 10. Yeah, we have very similar opinions again, like scores, like it, for a decisive, ep- divisive episode, should I say, it's very similar uh, scores and ratings again. But anyway, Toby, thank you for being a great guest. I'm so glad you agreed to come on. I'm sorry for the <laughs> Thank you today. for putting up with my madness. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually had more fun this time around than the first time, so. <laughs> Victory! <laughs> um, to my defence and to Michael's defence as well, that was the first ever episode we recorded, episode three, uh, yeah. last season. It was, it wasn't. That was so messy. It was messy because of the dropouts and also the technology. And it, and and it was incredibly episodes. awkward from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> You cannot fathom the amount of awkward silences I had to edit out in season one, especially from the first like four episodes. It was so uh, first three episodes. Should I say. I'm pretty sure you didn't have to cut out any awkward silences from me because I never have any. Oh, no. I am an absolute chatterbox and I am unashamed. Oh, it's, it's the best thing. Anyway. Uh, Toby, once again, thanks for coming on. All the links to their socials will be in the description. There are three things expected in life that do not uh, alternate for anyone. Death, taxes, 
and Andrew's gaming channel not working. Andrew, when is the gaming channel coming, for God's sake? Oh my God, dude, I think you're more invested in it than I am at this point. Yes. It, it, it will happen. I just, I need to be motivated. And also I need to be able to be a bit more better with technical like technicalities, with technical <laughs> stuff, because yeah, I'm, I'm very bad with that side of things. Uh, it will happen at some point but what is happening right now is my podcast with my long-term partner phil and one of our close mm -hmm. friends uh who is also our upstairs neighbor which gave birth to the name of the podcast the we pay for your floor podcast at time oh, of recording God. episode one is out episode two is almost ready to go up on tuesday we post every tuesday at around 7 p.m uh, you say this, but then it's going to be coming out in about five months' time, this episode, but... Uh, Very yeah. true. It's not five months' time, it's like June, you say that, two months' time, but yeah. I was going to say, five months would take us to, like, September. Don't scare me, like, hey, we're actually through 25% of the year already, and that scares the crap out of me. Like, oh, I've God, Ugh, I just thought of that. No. I'm going to be 25 soon, ew. Oh, you boomer. You'll, you'll soon be Mike's age and then... Oh, fuck off. I'm not a boomer. <laughs> you see, now you're Mike who... Well, we're both each other's ghosts. We're just, like, generally the hosts. Now you have to take the brute force of the um the jokes about age because you're... That's boomer. fine, because I'll, I'll just throw jokes right back at you, fetus boy. Don't start with me. Thank you guys for watching. Please subscribe. Follow everyone on Twitter. I'll see you guys in a bit. Bye. Bye.